How's it going? My name is Eric Dickus. I'm here up in the Boundary Waters off of Duncan Lake. First time winter camping. Super cold, probably 10 below, 15 below when we woke up today. It's quiet. I'm looking off to the horizon about a mile away from Canada, mile and a half. Snow-covered lake. Steam and fog rolling off the trees when the sun melting it. It's just beautiful up here. Looking at a few ice shacks spread out over the lake. They they battle the the weather and the snow and the brutal trip to get up here. It's a lot of work to get up here. And I don't think they're having as much luck as we did on the lake trouts. We hammered them yesterday. We're waiting for them to come eat right now. But watching this, it's uh, not only a vacation spot for me it's a destination that I need to that I need to get to every so often my body just wants to get up here my mind and just get away from the city it's a good place Eric and I have both been on this winter camping journey together uh, across this weekend, and it's been enjoyable to have another companion on this trip who is in a similar position as me. We are both coming out here into this space for our first time and both learning the ropes of winter camping in the Boundary Waters. I think I like winter for my peace and quiet trips. I think I'm gonna like summer for bringing my family up my boys up and any any friends I think can come along with me. It's a better experience for them. But for me, I love being up here and love the peace and quiet. And It all goes back to when my dad passed away and I came up here in his memory. And that moment, it just, it did, it just had me a different outlook. It made things seem minuscule, smaller at home. Like the big deals out here, it's, it's a really peaceful place. And it's changed my life in so many aspects. I mean, I, I yearn to come up here after I'm gone. Like, a, you're tired when you leave, but you can't wait to get back back here after your after your home. It's like the first thing you get home, you're already playing the next trip. Maddie, what's it been like feeling your own sort of like awe and wonder, or even fear and trepidation, and knowing that somebody else is in the same position as you? It gives me a little comfort to know that I'm not going through it alone, um, but I also think there's a real sense of community in that. In I am not alone, so I can talk to somebody and have shared similar shared experiences with them and really see how they decided to tackle uh, winter camping for their first time in comparison to how I decided to tackle winter camping for my first time, and it's been a pleasure doing so. It really is amazing the community, the camaraderie that we all know comes out of our trips to this place with the people that we go in with, but also our bigger wilderness community and the, the, the way that it impacts people even back home, you know, for the other people in our lives. Eric, you know, he just came into the wilderness for the first time three years ago. He was supposed to come in on a trip with his father, uh, but his father got sick. And his father really wanted to go into the Boundary Waters with Eric. And unfortunately, his father passed away before that could happen. And Eric made it his mission to fulfill that dream that he was supposed to have with his father and get up here with the canoe that his father already had bought 
and make his trip happen. And the reality is that that experience and everything that's happened since then has changed the course of his life. And to understand a little bit more about what that's been like, we're going to hear from his wife, Fallon. Oh, it was so emotional for him. There was, it was such a relief to see Eric have the opportunity to grieve um, from an un for a non-judgmental perspective, someplace that he was able to disconnect uh, from all of the blockages and the normal hustle and bustle of life for him to find that moment to reflect on his father and then the potential future with his father's memory. And then seeing him through that grievance, he's really found purpose in life. Uh, Not that he he was just a a wandering star before that, but this has really helped him set aside goals for his life. It's really cleared a lot of the fog in his brain um, that he had previous to his father's passing and even previous to visiting the BWCA. It's something magical. It's definitely another vortex, another um, astral moment in his life. And to each person that visits there, I think they each get something different out of it. And I think it's particular to each person's life, all the grievances that they've ever had in their life and what they want to take from it. Um, In this situation, it was Eric attributing this to his father. So every time he goes out, he feels closer to his father. And every time he goes, it's just this bucket of therapy uh, that he gets to pull each moment from. and it's much different than the Rockies and, you know, being on a teener or going to the Ozarks and playing in the water. It's you're completely disconnected. You're safe. You're secure, even though you're surrounded by critters and things. It grounds you and it makes you focus on the things that um, are, are really important in life rather than your phones or um, driving your car down the street or when your next promotion is going to be. The unique thing about the Boundary Waters is that it is so much more than a destination. All of us who have been here know that It's an experience. It's a relationship that we develop with place and with each other in place. And like you were saying, Maddie, last night, you know, Dave and Amy Freeman, they were big, had a big impact on exposing a larger audience to being in the Boundary Waters in the winter and the uniqueness of that. And there are many folks who have had a bigger impact, a broader impact, uh, on the larger public, exposing folks to the wilderness, to issues that the wilderness are facing for threats and and need for protection. And one of those people also, not only Dave and Amy Freeman, but Frank Moe. And Frank Moe passed away this year. We lost him to brain cancer, but he had a huge legacy of protection and a desire to protect this place. And he was a dog musher. 
And so we're gonna let Dave and Amy share a little bit about Frank's impact on the world for this place. was a great advocate for for the boundary waters uh, you know and protecting all of our fresh water you know i think he really was the one that taught us how to you know to use our voice and you know when we helped him with sled dogs to saint paul i mean that that was an eye-opener for us that you know we could advocate for this this place that we loved so much and use our skills which who would have thought like paddling in a canoe or dog sledding could be used for advocacy, right? We had never, never had a thought like that until we met Frank. So he, he, he taught us a lot personally. And, you know, he was just, he was always out there advocating for our environment and, and many other important issues. Well, at first, as we were planning the year, we gave Frank a call early on um, because we figured he had a lot of connections in the mushing community. So really, we just called him up wondering if he knew of anyone who had a few extra sled dogs because we wanted to have sled dog assistance uh, for the winter portion of, of the year. And he didn't even blink <laughs> before saying like, well, I have dogs you could borrow. Um, and so that that was really special to us that he was entrusting us with with his I mean basically his family members he and Sherry care for the dog so well that um you know we were just floored that he was willing to let us use three of his dogs and they became important team members to us with it just being the two of us out there especially in the winter we're isolated more um, adding the three sled dogs was like adding three new personalities to our group. And, and so we really appreciated having them not only for like their ability to like help us move around in the winter, but, uh, just their, their presence, their energy. <laughs> you know, Tank, one of the dogs stayed with us for the whole following summer after Acorn and Tina went back to Frank and Sherry and people, Oftentimes, the way people recognized us and came up to talk to us, ask us questions, um, was because of Tank. Like they recognized Tank. If we hadn't had Tank along, we you know, we, we would have just been, a, you know, a couple paddling by in a canoe. But but I think that you know having the dog as well, that that like was unique enough that it made people, are you those people? You know. Um, or, or are you Dave and Amy? And so that was fun because it, it enabled us to start conversations with people. And then, you know, they could then use that to tell their community about the issue by explain, you know, they could tell the story. We met these people out there, they were spending a whole year. Here's why they were spending a whole year. It just helps, helps the whole thing snowball and reach, reach more people. Frank is a, is a great example of, of many individuals, past and present, that have been great advocates for, for the Boundary Waters. Um, you know, I mean, it, like, think about Ernest Oberholzer and Sigurd Olsen and Becky Rahm. You know, there are so many examples of, of people that have 
dedicated lots and lots of time. Some of those folks are still with us and others are not. But um, it's clear that if the Boundary Waters is going to remain protected for generations to come, every generation more, more people are gonna have to stand up um, like, like Frank did. You know, Maddie, I think what we heard in this episode is that the Boundary Waters is more than just a place to come visit. It's really a mindset. We heard that from Eric and from Dave and Amy and every other person that we've met putting this podcast together over time. Coming up in the next episode, we're going to hear more about what activities people do in the Boundary Waters during winter, including some next level type adventures, going a step beyond the first time winter camping experience that you and Eric are sharing with us this season. But before we move forward, let's hear from someone who indeed did care so much about this place. Let's hear from the late Frank Moe. I mean, this is the environmental issue of our time. You know, these, the, the possibility of having these massive sulfide mines, copper nickel mines, right at the edge of the boundary waters. They have a 100% track record of polluting. You know, these are incredible resources for us. You know, our economy, 80% of Cook County's economy is dependent upon tourism and recreation. And so um, we need to support their efforts to draw attention to those assets, those magical places that are why we all live here.